Hello, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. And we hope this message will help you grow in your walk with Christ. And if you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by visiting theroadfc.org and click on the giving link. Welcome to the first week of a brand new series that we're calling Everyday Faith. Now, during this series, we'll be learning from the biblical book of James. And this short but powerful book is full of lessons on what faith looks like in real life. What's interesting about this book, right on the surface, is that Jesus is never mentioned in the book. And it doesn't deal much with theological concepts. Uh, The whole concern and purpose of the book is to share wisdom on the nature of a faith that is lived out. The book is written by James, who's the half-brother of Jesus. Now, we learn in the book of Acts that James rose to prominent leadership in the Jerusalem church after Peter went and planted new churches. So James was a leader in the very first Christian community, like ever. That's wild to think about. And the church is made up of mostly Messianic Jews, or that is, Jewish people who had received Jesus as the world's Messiah. So during James's 20 years of leadership in this community, we find out that they experienced a lot of difficulty. Things like famine, poverty, even persecution. And yet, through all of this, James was well regarded as a pillar of the church and an agent of peace. This biblical book of James is actually the legacy of James's wisdom to us. It's written like a letter, uh, but unlike the letters that we have from the Apostle Paul that were written to a specific audience, James's letter is written to a wide audience. It's intentionally written to Christians from all communities. Now, remember that James quite literally grew up with Jesus. And so while Jesus isn't mentioned specifically in the letter, there are echoes of the teaching of Jesus over and over and over again. In fact, James is especially influenced by two things. One, the collection of teaching from Jesus that we know as the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapters 5 through 7. But he's also heavily influenced by the first few chapters of the Old Testament book of Proverbs, these wisdom sayings. So here's how the book is structured. There's an introductory section uh, that introduces the major themes and teachings of the book as a whole. And we know this section as chapter one. Uh, The rest of the letter uh, is broken into 12 teachings or, or 12 lessons about what it looks like to have wholehearted devotion to God. It covers all different parts of our lives, from what it means to have patience and endurance, like we'll talk about today, or what is is the Christian's relationship to money and to wealth, and how important are the words that we say, not just to one another, but to others as well. 
And so uh, there's, it's full of kind of these really practical wisdom for everyday faith. The book is filled actually with some pretty powerful one-liners. In fact, uh, all of the following are found in the book of James. Perhaps you've heard some of these before. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Or religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Here's another one that you may maybe have heard. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. The last one, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. All of those kind of famous Bible verses, those really powerful one-liners are from the book of James. In fact, all of them that I just read or, or cited are from the first chapter of the book of James. These hard-hitting one-liners have given the book a reputation for getting right in your business and challenging you about what it means to practice your faith every day. Now, here's one more word about structure before we jump in. Since the first chapter introduces many of the key themes and ideas uh, that are then explored in more detail throughout the rest of the letter, for much of this series, we'll be connecting those concepts introduced in chapter one and then looking at the corresponding thought later in the chapter or later in the book. And that's what we'll be doing today. So let's look at James chapter one, uh, verses two through four, and then uh, turn over to James chapter five, beginning with verse seven. So James chapter one, verses two, three, and four. It says this, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Turn over now to chapter 5, beginning with verse 7. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. For the farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. You must also be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another, so that you may be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophet who spoke in the name of the Lord. Indeed, we call blessed those who showed endurance, and you have heard of the endurance of Job, and you have seen the purposes of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, the opening words uh, from chapter one that I read can be a little off-putting. He says, consider trials an opportunity for joy, for trials produce endurance. And when endurance has its full effect in us, we'll be mature and we'll lack nothing. Now, according to the logic of James, 2020 is to be considered one of the most joy-filled years for all of the trials that we faced. This is jarring. 
I mean, it's upsetting even. But remember, let's, let's remember that the life of James, this isn't coming from someone who had it nice and easy in life and then maybe had a, a couple of struggles here and there. No, James offers this wisdom to us as one who has personally experienced poverty, famine, persecution, among others. I mean, these words are not cheap cliche for someone who's lived in the lap of luxury. They are words from someone who has suffered deeply. And I think it would do us well, considering his suffering and the wisdom that he shares, to listen carefully to what he says. There is a string of events talked about in the passage. First, the trial comes. We know that trial comes to us in our lives in many forms. It can be temptation, sickness, financial trouble, relational difficulty, bereavement. In fact, I I remember having this verse about considering trials pure joy. I had that verse bookmarked in my Bible as a teenager while navigating the difficult landscape of middle and high school. Now, by comparison, those trials now seem light, but at the time, they were very, very real and significant. So the first thing to come is trials, and and James's wisdom, his bold claim, is that this trial produces something in us, what he says is endurance. Now, some translations say patience, but it's curious, isn't it? We often associate trial with the loss of something, security, health, relationship. But the claim of this biblical writer, who himself has lost so much, is that in this time of withering, something is also being produced. There's this kind of push and pull that in these times of trial, are simultaneously times of perishing where something is lost, but also times of germination where something new is coming to be. And while counterintuitive, I think that if we are reflective on our own lives, our experience bears this out. I mean, isn't it true that when we catalog our lives, we look back at the easy and joyful times with fondness and nostalgia but it's the most difficult times that we look back on and that we point to to say those are the times that really changed us, transformed us, or helped us to grow. This is certainly true in my own life. I don't look back on the beautiful vacation to Mexico or the amazing sights on safari in Africa as times where I personally grew. I look back at those times with joyful and fond memories. Rather, I look back on lessons that I learned when my best friend moved away when I was in grade school or the cancer diagnosis I had in college or the autoimmune diagnosis in my late 20s or conflict among friends and colleagues. These become the defining moments The trials that required something of me, called me to be patient, 
called me to endurance, the trials that brought me to my knees as I yelled and cried out to God. These are the very moments that helped me to grow as a person, but also grow in my faith. And so the the claim and the wisdom of James is that when trial comes, it calls us out into something. It invites us into endurance and patience. And if we will faithfully walk in that, then something else will also be produced in the midst of loss. And it will bring us to a point of maturity. He says that reality is the reality for which we are to be joyful. And so we're, we're called and invited to be joyful in the midst of suffering and trial, not because of the trial itself and not because of the things that we lost. No, those things can and should be lamented. But rather we're joyful because in the midst of the trial, God is growing something in us that will bring us to greater maturity. And so in that respect, then 2020, well, it served a bit as a reset button. I mean, so many things were lost, so many things taken away, so many sacrifices made. And many of those things still a reality here in the first part of 2021. But as you reflect on 2020, do you also see new growth? Maybe things that were lost had become a source of meaning for you and events that were canceled had become a source of value for you in your life. And so over the past few months, because you were finding value and meaning out of those things, you've had to recalibrate where we find meaning and value. Now examples, of course, could be endless, but I'd be willing to bet that for many of us, the trials of 2020 also brought about patience, endurance. And once those things have had their full effect in us, by God's grace, would also bring us to greater maturity. Thanks be to God. Now, in chapter 5, James employs a metaphor of a farmer who plants seeds and then waits patiently. I'm not a farmer, but my grandfather was. And I remember um, going to the farm as a kid and helping my grandpa drive the tractor. I remember walking the cornfields and the wheat fields with him. But depending on the time of year that I visited the farm, there were seasons when to my child look childlike eyes, it appeared that the field was nothing but dirt. And during my week-long visits to Grandpa's house, every day he would go out to the field, and every day he would come back to the house, and every day the field looked the same. It didn't change. It was still, in my eyes, just dirt. Was he wasting his time? Had the crop failed? (laughs) The answer, of course, is no. It's neither of those. The answer is no, because it wasn't an empty field. Seeds had been planted. 
and it was a harvest in progress. As I thought about James's use of this metaphor, I realized how beautiful this metaphor is for our own lives. Sometimes in our lives, there is what appears to be an empty field, and yet by the goodness and the grace of God, it is not an empty field, but is actually a harvest in progress. Amen. To this truth, James says, be patient, strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. There's a lot of talk in chapter one about endurance in suffering and then the connecting thought in chapter five about patience. I'm convinced that as we put these two pictures together, part of the wisdom that James has for our lives is that our lives are not to be blown side to side by every trial, but rather we are to be anchored to the immovable God. You know, Amy and I love to hike, and when we get the chance, we especially love to do high-altitude hikes. Now, high-altitude hiking, while beautiful and so rewarding, also tends to be really hard. You have to walk uphill a long ways to be in high-altitude hiking. And so 2020, to me, felt a bit like a high-altitude hike in the middle of blowing snowstorm, where every step was a struggle. And in the moments when you are blown side to side, what can anchor you is you look up to the top of the mountain. And the mountain, much like God, is not moved by the storm. As you look Upon the mountain for millennia, this mountain has seen storms come and go, and yet the mountain remains unmoved. I imagine patience, a bit like walking a difficult hike, where each step may be difficult. But the reality is, is that underneath your feet is the foundation of the immovable mountain. I think patience is a bit like that. That we are to be anchored to the immovable God, patient for the work of God to keep on moving forward until it has reached its completion. The truth is, COVID has tested the patience of all of us. It has tested our endurance. Many trials have come, and not just related to COVID, but our nation has faced many challenges. In the midst of it all, my prayer is that we would be confident in God's work in the world and His work in us, and that the time of trial may lead us to greater maturity in Christ. In fact, my prayer, as we think about patience, endurance, and how those things relate to our suffering, I'm actually reminded of 
what we said at the very beginning of our service as we lit the Christ candle. That may the light of Christ reveal evil and sin in the world and in us. And then may the love of Christ overcome it. And recognizing that the ups and downs, the suffering of life, and the patience and and endurance that we are called to has a part to play in bringing us to maturity. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, today we are thankful for the wisdom of James. And while at first this concept, this idea of considering trials a joy, we recognize, God, that it is often through the trials and sufferings of life that you teach us and form us that we might be brought into greater maturity in Christ. And it is your great love doing that work, and for that we give you thanks. For in the midst of our trial, your love declares that you are with us, that your presence is right by our side. Your love declares that even in the midst of the trial, when the field feels empty, that you are at work. And so God, we thank you for your great love poured out for us, demonstrated for us on the cross. The great power of Christ demonstrated in the resurrection. May we today, as we face personal trial, and as we face corporate trial, May we today, Lord, live with patience, anchored to you, the immovable God, with confidence in your work. And Lord, we pray that you would bring your work to completion. And thank you for inviting us to be your partners in that work. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.